Thanks for listening to the Grace Life Podcast. Life is full of struggles. It seems like nothing comes easily. Many times it feels like we're wrestling with God himself. Is he standing in our way? Is he challenging us? Or is something deeper happening? We have a choice. Give up, walk away, or fight until dawn breaks. How will you wrestle? So, hey, we are on part two of a series we've been doing called Wrestle. And the reason for this series is because I have seen so many people that their faith or their view of God has been completely shipwrecked just because of some difficult circumstances that they've been through and they didn't understand what God was doing. And uh, so last week, if you were here, I told you a little bit of, of my story of what we had been through, about a two and a half year period where we went through the death of one child and the, the expected loss of another and, and the struggle that we were having with God. And if I had stayed in that place, well, obviously I wouldn't be here today, but I, I probably wouldn't be following God. I was in a very difficult place in my life and I was wrestling with him. And so what I want to help people do is, is to find victory in the things that we're wrestling in and, and not to... Uh, not to get derailed by them because the truth is we all wrestle with God if you don't know that yet that's your newsflash you will wrestle with God you already have many times some of them will uh, they'll be a little lighter not quite as difficult and challenging they'll they'll just be a short period of uh, a little bit of on a scale of one to ten maybe a one or a two but at some point you're also going to have some of those really intense things that you'll talk about for decades and for years to come and uh, it'll be cornerstones of what you actually end up believing about God. And because we're all going to wrestle, it's, it's important that we understand our theology behind this. You see, what you can do is decide, I'm going through a really hard time, and it seems like God is not there. So he's not paying attention, or he's just not in control at all, and the enemy is really just beating me up. I don't like that theology. The theology I prefer says that God is always paying attention. And God is always in control. And the enemy is never winning. And so when you're going through difficult circumstances, it's important to stop and say, okay, wait a minute. God is bigger. God is stronger. What's going on? What is God doing? Is this a time where I'm wrestling with him? Is this a time where I'm wrestling for something else? So why does he do this? Well, simply because anything that's worth having is worth fighting for. See, that's a kingdom value, which is very different from an earthly value. An earthly value says, I want it. I want it to be easy. Everything should be easy, right? But no, not in God's kingdom. God says, if I'm going to give you something, I want you to know how precious it is. I want you to understand the meaning behind it. I want you to understand the value behind it. So as we look at this series, what we discovered, we're using one passage for all three weeks, and we see that God will have us wrestle with him for three things. And so normally, I don't, I don't like to do this where I say, hey, if you missed part one, if you missed last week, you really need to go watch it. The reason I don't do that is because I don't like to say, hey, you need to watch more of me preaching. Seems a little self-serving, but I'll tell you this. Every single person will wrestle with God for three things in their lives, and I'm covering one of them each week. So unless you just want to, like, blow that one off and miss out on it, I do recommend you go back and catch that. Plus, it's really kind of the cornerstone for the series, and uh, a lot of things that we say over the other two weeks are built upon those. So really want to encourage you to go back and catch that message if you weren't here for that, because we're going to pick up right where we left off. We're going to talk about the second thing that we have. Uh, to get from God when we wrestle with him. So again, we're, we're looking at one passage, and if uh, you're new to church, new to the Bible, maybe new to the Old Testament, whatever it is, I want to bring all of us into the same place. If you've ever heard the phrase, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, anybody ever heard that phrase before? Okay, so what we're looking at is Jacob. 
in, the, in those three names, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob was the grandson of that group. And uh, he actually had an experience where he wrestled with God. And it was actually a physical encounter that he had. And so we're looking at that story out of Genesis 32. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn with me. We'll start in verse 22. And if you don't, it's going to be on the screen behind my head. But just to kind of help you catch up and understand where we are, uh, Jacob was, was not uh, treating everyone around him really very well, to be honest. He had made some enemies, and, and he had no enemy greater than his own brother, who he had cheated and swindled and stolen something from. And so he's reached a point where he's had to swindle everything he ever wanted. Uh, he, he's, he's running from enemies. He's, he's on the run, really trying to get away from his father-in-law, and now he's on his way to, to, to going somewhere else, runs into his brother, and it's kind of like that thing of like, well, somebody behind me, somebody in front of me, wonder what's going on here. And uh, so he's at this point where he's not really thinking he's going to live beyond the next day. He thinks this is his last night. And to prove it, he's taken everything that he owns and he's divided it into two groups and sent them off. So like one wife and all of her kids and he sent her off in one direction, another wife and all of her kids sent them off in another direction, divided everything that he owned between the two of them. So if one of them got wiped out, the other would still exist and they'd at least have some stuff. And to give them both a fighting chance, he didn't go with either of them because he knew that everyone was after him. He thought that his brother was coming to kill him and he had due reason for that. And so he, he has sent them away. That's where we pick up the story. The same night he arose and he took his two wives, his two female servants, and his 11 children, and he crossed the ford of the Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream and everything else that he had. And Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket. And Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with them. And then he said, let me go for the day is broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said to him, what's your name? And he said, Jacob. Then he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he said, why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, saying, for I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. So in part one, we talked about the first thing that God has us wrestle him for, and that is a blessing and I'm not going to really unpack any more of that today, but I do want to touch on one thing. I got some email follow-ups from last week's message. And one person in particular said to me, why should I wrestle God for a blessing? Why do I think I deserve a blessing? This person had, had literally reached the end of their, their own rope, so to speak, about a year ago. And God had miraculously del delivered them from destroying their own physical life and then restored their, their spiritual life. And this person was like, I am just thankful that I'm going to heaven. Why should I wrestle God for a blessing? Who am I to think I deserve it? And my reply answer to her was, you don't deserve it. None of us do. The blessing God has for you is not about what you deserve. It's about how good he is. It's about something that he wants for you. So if you're in a place of saying, wait a minute, wait a minute, I'm not about to wrestle God for a blessing. I'm, I mean, that's like thievery or something. No, no, no. Go back and hear last week's message if you're missing that. But there's nothing wrong with saying, God, thank you. And then going through the experience of what he has for you. So today we're going to pick up the second thing that we see. And I'm just going to highlight these verses I just read. Then he said, let me go for the day is broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said to him, the man that he was wrestling said, what, what is your name? 
Then don't you think that's like a weird question to ask at this point? I mean, Jacob just said, I'm not going to let you go unless you bless me. So give me something that made all this fight worthwhile. We've been fighting the entire night. You showed up at the beginning. It's been like eight or nine hours and I want something. And the guy says, okay, what's your name? Seriously? Like you're going to ask my name? First of all, if you're really not even sure this is who I am, like, shouldn't you have asked me this at the beginning of the night? I mean, imagine if Jacob said like, oh, my name's John. Oh, man, I came for Jacob. Where's that guy? Is he around here somewhere? I mean, but that's not what he was doing. He wasn't trying to figure out who he was. Follow what he said. What is your name? And he said, Jacob. Then he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have striven with God and man and have prevailed. So Jacob got a new name, but what's in a name? I want to tell you today, Shakespeare got it wrong. Anybody ever heard these words before? What's in a name? That which we call a rose by any other name would smell as sweet. True, it would. But everything is in a name, especially to God. Listen to this out of Isaiah. It says, but now, says the Lord, he who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you, I have called you by name. You see, God shows up in your life and says, I have something for you. And if you're not answering by the right name, you're going to end up missing it. You're not going to understand what he has for you. Even our future, a promise for every single one of us out of Revelation says, whoever has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches, to the one who is victorious. And I gave us words to understand what victorious is for the sake of this series. It means someone who wrestled and prevailed. And if you weren't here last week, prevailing doesn't mean you beat God. It just means you don't give up in the fight. Prevailing means you're still wrestling when the sun comes up. To the one who wrestles and prevails, I will give some of the hidden manna. I will also give that person a white stone with a new name written on it, known only to the one who receives it. I don't know about you, but I cannot wait for heaven. I mean, y'all, I'm from South Carolina. Jimmy. I've had to live on earth with the name Jimmy. Seriously. And for those of you that are wondering, no, my parents also were from the South. I am not a James. They didn't even know it came from that. My birth certificate is Jimmy. The only thing that makes it worse is if I said the middle name with it, and I do not do that. So I can't wait for heaven where I get like a cool name like Kevin or Derek or something. Seriously, in fourth grade, these two cool kids, they lived in the cool neighborhood. They were named Kevin and Derek, and I thought, man, their parents like them. Jimmy, who does that? Everything is in a name. Everything is in a name. It's your identity. And see, in the Bible, a name actually will define your identity. And a name will tell you what God is doing through you, what God intends to do. And so since God creates you, and since God defines your identity, then he's the one who names you and when necessary, renames you. That's why he's done that so many times. Calling purpose, fulfillment, all of it is found in your identity and it's found only in your identity, the thing that he has for you. You see, I knew the, 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 the gender of every single one of our children before they were born and it would make my life so mad because we had all these boys and she kept thinking we'll have a girl and the first one comes and it's like, maybe it's a girl, like, nope, it's a boy. How do you know? Well, God, God, God he told me what his name means. And so the only choice we ever had in the matter was to go and look up baby books and, and see what are the options for the meaning. 
like, you know, there might be an English version and a Welsh version or an Italian version or something. We, we, could, we had a little bit of choice in the matter. God didn't always say they had to be called exactly this. But every one of our kids, God would give us meaning. And so our first son, the one playing drums today, God, God told me he's going to be an evangelist. And he is to this day. He always wants his friends to know who Jesus is and talks about them. And, and, and he's not weird. He doesn't go up to strangers. But he has, he has this internal thing of like, I, I, I've got some truth I've got to share. And, and so his name, he's named after Andrew. If you know Andrew in the Bible, the very first thing that Andrew did as soon as he met Jesus was to say, hold on a sec, Jesus. And he went and told other people who he had met. It's like, you're good. I'll be right back. <laughs> Let me go tell other people. And so his middle name is Christian. So if he would uh, you know, live to being the one who goes and tells everybody who he is, Andrew, Christian, we, that's what God said his, his calling was going to be. And then our second child, you heard the story last week as we were wrestling with that God said, yeah, he'll be a gift of God, but he'll also be a man of God. And so his name is Nathaniel Adai. And so we went in for our third son, and my wife was like, oh, maybe it's going to be a girl. I said, no, it's not going to be a girl. She's like, well, it's not going to be a girl. At least it'll be a Benjamin. My wife always wanted a Benjamin. Benjamin means peacemaker. Yeah, those of you who know my family are like, yeah. What was she thinking? thinking wanting the Benjamin like every one of our kids like there is no peace like we're fighters every one of us like all those kids those are your DNA we do that all the time like yes you and you did that that's your DNA oh that's your DNA right there so so our, our third child we went in for an ultrasound and I, I put my hand on her belly right as the doctor began to do this and God said he's a warrior no Benjamin that's peacemaker so we go and we look up what are the, the names that we could use and came up with either William or Caden. We went with the Welsh version and, and we call him Caden. And, and here's what's crazy. He's the smallest of the children. Like his little sister is wearing his flip-flops and his clothes. And in about another year, she'll overtake him, even though she's a couple years younger than him. And, and my wife is to blame for that one because what's in a name? She decided his nickname as soon as he was born was Little Jimmy. There you go. Five, five. I mean, my nine-year-old, she didn't do that to him. He comes up to here at nine. My 17-year-old, he's up to here, you know. I mean, but, but she called it little J, LJ. That's where everybody, LJ. Well, then that's exactly what you get. But see, here's what's cool with him. He is a warrior, and he knows it, even though nobody's ever really told him. He just knows it. And he doesn't know that he's half the size of everybody else. He looks in the mirror, and all he sees is, I can do it. And so he takes on his 17-year-old brother or his 9-year-old brother. He'll wrestle him and doesn't care. He will fight with anybody on any point. He is a warrior and he knows it. God said that's what he was going to be, not a Benjamin. You see, this is why God changed the name of people so often. Maybe you've heard some of these stories. If you're new to reading the Bible, you started reading the Bible and said, Oh, look, God changed this guy's name. A couple chapters later, you're reading and you go, Huh, God's changing names again. I guess I'm confused or I already read this. I guess, I, how did I get lost? No, God did this a lot. You're not confused if you keep coming across new stories. You know, there was a guy named Abraham that used to be an Abram. A guy named Peter who used to be Simon. A guy named Paul who used to be Saul. We could do this kind of all day long. You see, here's what God says to them and to you. Who you were and what you were doing with that identity, is not going to work with who you will be and what you will do with the identity I have for you. It's a big deal to God. And so that's why God has showed up 
shown up, showed up. I don't know, South Carolina education. That's why God is now talking to Jacob and says, you shall no longer be called Jacob, which means cheater, by the way. I don't know if you know that or not, but they didn't wait until he was like 22, say, huh, you've cheated a lot of people. We're going to call you Jacob now. No, again, what's in the name? He began wrestling and fighting even in the womb, wrestling with his brother. He was a twin. And so his whole life, cheating and swindling, living up to the very name that he had. And God meets him at this point and says, no more will you have to cheat and swindle your way. You're going to be blessed. You're going to have what I want for you. But, but I want you to fight for it. So here's your new name. Your new name is Israel. And it means that you've wrestled with me, but you've prevailed. That's what I want the story of your life to be. And if you, again, maybe new to church and you're going, well, I've heard of Israel. And like, that's supposed to be a nation. That's a people. Like, they're all throughout the Old Testament. Now, here's a dude named Israel. Do they have anything to do with each other? Yep. They have everything to do with each other because this is the beginning of the nation of Israel. Jacob had 12 sons. Israel had 12 sons. And his 12 sons became the 12 tribes of Israel. And so as God is coming to Jacob and saying, no longer will you be a cheater, no longer will you be a thief, no longer will you be a swindler, but I've got a great calling for you, and your calling is going to be somebody who wrestles with me and is victorious. It's going to be awesome. But here's what's else. It's not just for you, but for all of your descendants to come after you. I want them to be people, a people, who wrestle with me for something good, and they're victorious. It's my plan for them. Unfortunately, that's not how that worked. You see, they didn't quite understand their own calling. At least some observers would say they didn't understand their identity. And, and I'm going to fill you in a little bit. That's, it's not a political statement, but it's a historical statement. I just kind of want you to understand what they've been through and where they are. You see, you started with their, their forefather, Abraham, who was Israel's grandfather. God came to him and said, you will be blessed. To be a blessing. Not you will be blessed. You'll be blessed to be a blessing. I'm going to make you the most blessed people on the earth so that you can bless everyone else. You are going to be the people who have the true revelation of who I am so that you can share that with everyone else. And if you followed history, you know that it's not exactly the way that they've worked. As a nation, they've repeatedly faced test after test, difficulty after difficulty. Battles that they could only win if God would show up. Provision they needed, they could only get if God would give it to them. The problem is, just like us, they wanted the blessings to be easier. They didn't want to fight so hard for so many things over and over and over again. You ever reach that point where you're like, hey, I didn't ask to be named Israel. I didn't really want to have to wrestle over and over again. I mean, we do that in our own lives. And God said, I want to come and give you the most amazing spiritual blessing ever. And they said, well, we kind of wanted to be a natural one, We'd like a natural kingdom, not a spiritual kingdom. Ultimately, what ended up happening because they went through struggle after struggle, if you read through some of the stories biblically, slavery, defeated by armies, just time and time again where God said, I'm going to let you go through something difficult just so I can be the one to rescue you. Holocaust, loss of a physical nation wandering the earth, Rebirth of a nation in a pretty hostile area. I'm going to put you through some tough things just so I can be the one to deliver you. 
And somewhere along the way, over the thousands of years, their answer became, no thanks. We don't want the difficult stuff. You may not be aware of this, but it's estimated that 80% or more of Israelis today are atheists. Over four out of five people, when God showed up and said, you will be Israel. You will wrestle with me, but you will be victorious. At least four out of five of those have completely walked away from that. Said, no, thank you. The identity that God offered them is not the identity that they're living in. So how about us? Do you feel like you have been or you are wrestling with God for something, some calling, some purpose, some meaning, and you just don't see it yet? Do you feel like life is frustrating and just not fulfilling sometimes? Like, what is the point of this? Why am I doing this? Why, why do I spend more days struggling and few days enjoying and succeeding? I think too many people would say yes. And we'll walk you through where you may be so you can figure out how to move on to the next place. You see, some of the people who would say yes, maybe you've chased an identity that's not supposed to be yours simply because it didn't require wrestling with God. There are some of us in the room who we just like the easy path. When somebody says, hey, let's go that way, you're like, oh, no, no, nice wide concrete, smooth, flat. This looks good to me. I'm just going to take the easy way, the proven path. You know, the 401k, settled retirement date. Life is good. White picket fence, two and a half kids. How do you do two and a half kids? I don't understand how they do that. but Sometimes we just look at a challenge and go, no, nope, never mind. Well, God, if it's going to take a challenge to get what you have for me, eh, I guess I'm not interested. I went to, a, when I was in college, I wanted to be a foreign exchange student in Australia for a semester. I thought that sounded cool, especially when I looked up the places I could go. One of them was called Toowoomba. I just thought, how cool would that be to say I lived in Toowoomba? Toowoomba. I mean, just say that about 10 times. You'd want to go too. Toowoomba. So I went and talked to the lady in charge of all the foreign exchanges. And she said, well, we only allow one person from our, our university, which was, you know, like 15,000 people at the time. We only allow one person to go per semester, and it's pretty tough. And so, I, you know, I don't, you know I, don't, I don't know if you're going to make it. And I don't know why, because I'm usually a pretty good fighter at things, but I just went, okay. You see, that's what we do sometimes. God says, man, I've got something amazing for you, but it's, it's not going to be easy. And unfortunately, someone's going, huh, all right, never mind. We just walk away. And the reason is we don't do what Jacob did. Jacob took everything that was of value to him. He sent it across the river and said, now I'm ready. And most of us say, oh, if my valuable stuff's going over there. I'm going with it. I like my life. I like my things. Or maybe... You're the one that the identity have is the one that you got when you gave up the fight. You were halfway through the night and you said, God, if this is what it takes, I'm done with you. It's too hard to believe in you. It's too hard to worship you. It's too hard to honor you. The resistance is too much. The enemy is too strong. I'm just done. And you've been living in another identity ever since. And I, I want to tell you one thing that is always true without exception. That identity comes with extreme condemnation. 
Because that identity comes with the voice of the enemy. And you hear it often, and you hear it well. And you look in the mirror, and what you see is the one who isn't who they should be. The one who quit. The one who should have done something else with their life. The one who could have been, would have been, should have been. That's what you see. And you can't stand yourself for it. And that's when the enemy shows up and jumps on the dog pile. That's right. You should hate yourself. You're a loser. You're a quitter. And you quit on God. Even God can't love you. Now you've missed out on what God had for you. Unfortunately, this is not like I'm talking about somebody down the street. I'm talking about people I see every week sitting out here and their faces are just... You come in to kind of worship and it's more just, well, I know he's there and I don't want to get struck by lightning. I guess I'll go to church every now and then and see if I can at least stay good enough with him. To, you know, kind of missed out on life already. There's nothing good. I've already made him angry and he hates me. My dad always told me, First time he told me, I think I was about a teenager, I'd, I'd, I'd never heard it before, but he told me that he felt like he was called to ministry, doing what I'm doing. But he never did. And I don't know the reason, you know, part of it might have been growing up on a farm in rural South Carolina in the 40s and 50s, there weren't a lot of financial options, ended up in the military, which is a great thing. Or it might be the fact that graduating high school for him required a little more than 12 years and some summer school. So the idea of college and a postgraduate degree in seminary might have been overwhelming for him. I don't know. All I know is he didn't do it. And for the rest of his life, he felt that he had quit. And so the sad part is that every time something didn't go well, every time that life wasn't working, he just said, yeah, it's what I deserve. It's what I deserve. I quit on God. Unfortunately, I'd like to say that he lived a really happy, joyous life, but I have to be honest, he's, he was miserable a good bit of the time because he always felt that God was just there to beat him up and remind him how bad he was, how much of a quitter he was. But that's not true. That's the voice of the enemy. If this is where you are, I want to tell you one thing that is absolutely true. God is still sitting by that campfire ready to finish if you will just show back up. You have not missed out on your calling. You have not missed out on your destiny. Your identity is still yours. He's still waiting to give it to you. You just have to come back and say, okay, I get it. I walked away last night, but I'm back. I want to finish the fight. For some of you, it's going to be, I get it. I walked away last month, last year, a few years ago, but I'm back. And I'm going to wrestle you for what you have for me because I don't know how much is left, but I'm going to do what you've got for me. It is never too late to come back to wrestling with God because he's only after one thing and that's your future maybe you're in another group of people all together getting an identity from God is not even on your radar God maybe your parents drug you here spouse drug you here you didn't even want to be here Maybe you unwillingly drag yourself a couple of times a year just, you know, because it seems like the good cultural thing to do. You're just happy with life. You're comfortable. Things are going fine. 
the God stuff, a little bit out there, who really wants to talk about this, you've got your eyes on who you are and the name you've given yourself, whatever that name is going to be. Not real concerned with what God would want from you. You've never even asked the question if God has something for you because you may not even want him. I wish it weren't true, but it is. Many, many of us live in a place where we are totally unaware that God has something for us. Totally unaware. Your life will be completely different in his kingdom once you leave your kingdom. I told you that throughout this series, I'd share a little bit of my own wrestling stories. And last week I shared with you kind of how we had to wrestle to get our family and, and the experiences we went through with God there and I also told you last week that the second thing that I had to wrestle for most was, was the calling that God put over my life, the, the ability to stand here in front of you and do this now. See, when I was 16 years old, God told me that I was going to be a preacher of his word and that there was this passion in me to make, to make sure people understood who he really is. Everything that I do, every sermon that I give is somehow pointed at no, that's not who he really is. This is who he really is because I believe if people just knew who he really was, is they will worship him that's all i have to do is just try to help you see him correctly he'll take care of the rest that's everything that i do and so god said when you grow up this is what you're going to do you're going to be a pastor god spoke and then the wrestling began anybody else ever had that story god spoke and then the wrestling began and that's kind of how that works you see first of all i went to a church that wasn't very lively we'll say and I don't mean to pick on any churches or point down at anybody, but you could have truly slept through the entire service and nobody cared as long as you didn't wake them up either. <laughs> and on top of that, the pastor had to wear a robe. And I thought, I don't want to be bored my whole life and wear a dress to work. <laughs> so God said, that's what you'll do. And I ran the other way. Because in the natural, I couldn't see what he was going to do in the spiritual. You see, a church like this wasn't very common back when I was a kid. And so instead of trusting God that something would be different from what I saw, that God had a plan that I couldn't completely see yet, and instead of following him, I said, what I can see, I won't know part of, and ran the other way. And God said, okay, that's fine. I can use this time that you're running. It turned out I had a lot of insecurities and a lot of immaturities. And God needed to work on those and take me through a little bit of a process. So I actually went through years of incredibly hard lessons. I took years just to become self-aware enough to figure out what my problems were. I always thought everybody else was the problem. That was for you if you think that. My character was an issue. And there were many times that God tried to work on that stuff and I just walked away. I was offered many multiple jobs. I had a friend of mine who did a startup business. He's making a lot of money living in a place I actually want to live. Sorry, South Carolina. I had other job opportunities, management and corporations, corporate world. I had other things coming to me that I could have done. Here's, here's what you need to know. The enemy is a tempter. And every opportunity that comes to you is not always from God. You are going to have to learn to pray. And when an opportunity comes to you and it looks good 
and it looks better than what God has, well, on the surface and in the natural, it probably is. If you want to walk in what God has for you initially, you may have to turn down some money. You may have to turn down some vacation days. I don't know. There's going to be something to it. Because the enemy will always, always tempt you with, a, with an opposite direction from what God has for you. Always. Then my faith. Well, darkness fell on that. And that was last week's story. I won't start on that again. But I had to discover what I really believed about God, and what he would do in my own life. And so after I got through all of these different struggles and more than a decade after college, by the way, when I say that, I mean like just when I began to realize what God was doing. And, and so when you put it all together, it was multiple decades of God working on me and finally getting to a place where I think God can finally use me. And then getting through a battle of faith and thinking, okay, now I actually will still, still help people with this guy that a minute ago I didn't like myself. And, and then after turning down opportunities and, and making sacrifice, after all of this time and time and time again, and saying, God, I'm finally ready to do what you told me I would do more than half my life ago. A mentor looked at me and said, you're not called to lead a church. And you can't preach. And you can't do what I do. Wow, that wasn't the last straw. And it was at that point that I had to decide as I wrestled with God, who gives me my name? Is it what God had told me I would be? Or is it what these other people tell me my name could never be? See, to give you a new name, God has to build in you a character that can actually withstand the weight of what that identity is. In that process, well, the wrestling might, might be long. And it will be hard. And you will be tempted to decide many, many things about God that are not true. You will be tempted, very tempted, to walk away time and time again. And the enemy hopes that you will. But for those who have actually wrestled and prevailed and have gotten They'll tell you that nothing worth having comes easily and resistance is guaranteed. Resistance is guaranteed. So who are you becoming? As you wrestle with God, are you going to let go? Are you going to give up? Are you going to fight until you get a new name? What is the name that is waiting for you when dawn breaks? So I want to leave you with this truth. There is nothing more dangerous to the kingdom of darkness than a people who have wrestled with God and prevailed and know who they're called to be. Nothing more dangerous. The enemy fears nothing more than you figuring out who you are and what God wants to do through you. And just to be clear, it is not everybody's calling to stand up here and do what I do. If you're like, I don't want to be a preacher. No, well, that's fine. That may not be what God's put in your heart. You see, to be a person who has wrestled with God and prevailed and knows who you are and why you're there is the person who can wake up on Monday morning and say, I'm a teacher, and I'm proud of it. 
Because every day, for 180 days, 30 kids are going to come into my classroom and I'm going to make sure that they encounter the closest thing to Jesus on earth they ever will. I will smile even on a bad day. I'll encourage them when their parents are having a bad day. I will be there to support them at their worst moments. And when they graduate, even 10 years after me being their teacher, they'll remember my name. I'm a doctor who understands my job is not just to make people better, but to lead them on the path. I'm going to tell you, when my wife and I went through that two and a half years and that struggle with our children, the greatest blessing of all is that our doctor was a born-again, spirit-filled believer. And after he said, well, medically, I'm supposed to tell you this is what you should do. And when we said, we don't believe in that, he said, well, good, neither do I. Now, let me tell you how to pray because this is what is happening in the womb. Imagine that, a medically-based prayer strategy. How cool. My mechanic believes that he's just there to make people's day better. He just happens to fix cars. He's a Christian. If you don't have money, it doesn't matter whatever he can do. And he's going to make sure absolutely no one ever swindles you on a car repair because your money needs to go into the kingdom, not into a car. That's his theory. How cool is that? Maybe you're a banker. Maybe you're a clerk in a store who says, I'm just going to see people all day long. And most people are having a bad day. I'm going to be the friendliest clerk. I'm going to be the happiest waitress. I'm going to be the most encouraging mom or dad. I don't know what it is you're being. The most dangerous thing to the kingdom of darkness is when you will wrestle God for the name that he has for you. So I'm going to leave you with two questions. Are you even willing or interested in wrestling with God? for what he has for you. And if so, will you wrestle until dawn breaks? I want to close by talking to those of you who feel like life is rather purposeless, meaningless, frustrated. You've wanted something more and you've tried every way to get it except through God. Here's the problem. He created you, and he has, he has control of your destiny. So you will never, ever walk in it apart from him. And every single one of us at some point has to get to that place where we say, no, Jesus didn't just die for people. He didn't just die for humankind. You've got to be able to say, Jesus died for me. And now I'm going to live for him. If you've never done that, the beginning of figuring out what is your identity and the beginning of the wrestling match. Yep, yeah, I'll just tell you up front, it's the beginning of the wrestling match. But if you're ready to get started and make him your king, I want to help you do that this morning. It is uh, not something weird. You don't have to stand up or come down front or do anything like that. We're just going to pray right where we are. Would you join me? Say something like this to yourself and to God. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you died for me. And now, I want to live for you. I thank you for your love, for your mercy, for your forgiveness. And my simple prayer is that you will give me a life of great meaning and great purpose with a new name in your kingdom.
Amen. Let's celebrate with those people. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Grace Life Podcast. For more information about us, you can go to gracelife.me. That's gracelife.me. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash gracelifeme and on Twitter at Grace Life Church. Oh,